Welcome to another episode of The Shanna Plan. This is episode four. My name is Kyle Posey. I am joined by my buddy Akash. Akash, what's going on, man? What's up, man? Just uh, trying to break down uh, the first loss of the season and trying to preview the the Jets. What's going on? Are you watching the All-22, Akash? Uh, Well, if the NFL put it up, we would. (laughs) I don't know how many times I refreshed that page today, man. Usually they're up like Monday night and God. They're, they're yeah. trying to hide how bad Jimmy Garoppolo was week one, I think. <laughs> Usually it's up Monday night when the Monday night football games are up. And a lot of times I don't want to watch Monday night football. So I just right. watch some other games and we did not have that opportunity. And as of Tuesday night, we still do not have that opportunity. So hopefully we get that opportunity Wednesday. So the 49ers did make some moves, even though they did not practice on Tuesday. They signed wide receiver Muhammad Sanu former Kyle Shanahan wideout, who did have his best season under Shanahan in 2016. That has not stopped 49ers fans from showing 2016 highlights. And what do you think about Sanu? Uh, First off, before we get into Sanu, um, Kyle Shanahan got asked this yesterday, and I wonder if he he paid the reporter to ask him about it, because it was the last question that got squeaked in, and then Kyle talked for like 30 seconds about Sanu. And we knew as soon as he said that, that he was going to get signed, right? It was Kyle basically telling John, like, go get me Sanu. I've never seen, a, you know, a coach talk about a, a free agent player like that. Yeah. Um, it was weird. Guy. Yeah. Yeah. I love the guy. Respect him. The league respects him. And it was like, okay. Yeah. It's clear that they had a need at the position. Uh, he's sitting on his couch. He, he, you know, it was going to cost, you know, a veteran minimum deal probably with some incentives. So the 49ers went out and did it. Uh, as for Sanu, to answer your question, um, you know, it's just an extra body in my opinion. I'm, you know, I mentioned this on Twitter. I'm not sure what we can expect from him from like a speed or like a burst standpoint. You know, he's 31. That's never, I'm not sure if that's ever been his strength. Um, but you know, he's six foot two. He's going to provide Jimmy, uh, Garoppolo, you know, a target over the middle of the field. Uh, I think he's a tough blocker which Kyle Shanahan probably loves about him. Uh, he's, you know, had his most efficient season, I think, uh, by yards per route run in Atlanta with Kyle Shanahan. So all those things work. Um, and hopefully until Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk uh, are up and running, Sanu can just like bridge the gap. So is Sanu a replacement for, and I and I keep hearing that, and I've seen the the whole bridge the gap thing, but to me it seems like he's more of a, Trent Taylor, Dante Pettis, Kendrick Bourne sub as the 49ers, you know, try to get Brent Ayuk acclimated to the offense. And hopefully, as you mentioned, Samuel's back in a couple weeks so they don't miss him too much. But let's let's pretend that everybody's healthy. So they have Debo back. They have Ayuk back. They have a fully healthy Kittle. Where does Sanu Sanu fit in there? I'd imagine Sanu plays in the slot as your number three. Um, I'm guessing it's you know, between him and Kendrick Bourne. I thought Kendrick Bourne actually played pretty well week one, uh, got open on some routes. He was open on that third down play in the fourth quarter in the back of the end zone. Should have been the the game-winning touchdown, in my opinion. Uh, but I think it's going to come down between, you know, Sanu and Bourne, depending on who shows out here. Uh, Bourne obviously has the upper advantage just with the chemistry with Garoppolo, uh, the familiarity in the system in the last few years. Um, but I, I would imagine it's between those two. Kyle Shanahan's always wanted a big slot receiver, right? Whether it's from Jalen Hurd or they drafted Jawan Jennings in the seventh round. You know, one guy's hurt, one guy didn't really pan out so far. So this seems to be that mold of a player, I think. 
Yeah, and going back to some of his usage in football, football outsiders almanac, here's what they had to say about Sanu. He said they said part of the issue was Sanu's role as a big slot receiver was muzzled in terms of average depth of target. So when he was with the Patriots, he was used more as an underneath receiver. And that was not the case the first half of the season when he was with Atlanta. So not once in any of Sanu's full seasons in Atlanta did he have more than 45 percent of his passes in the short area. Yet 55 percent of his plays in 2019 were in the short area, a number that very well could have been higher if he had spent the whole year in New England. And just talking about talking with one of my buddies, Taylor, who who writes for Pat's pulpit, he kind of echoed those same sentiments where it seemed like just Sanu just wasn't a fit in New England. And it's so easy to look at the box score. And I'm not going to sit here and pretend like Sanu's a game breaker, but I imagine Kyle would know how to use him. If he's going to be, if he's willing to bring him in, he's probably going to use him as that big slot receiver. And that would be, and he's not anywhere near the type of talent Jalen Hurd is, but I imagine it's going to be a lot of that usage where, vertical threat over the middle where he's and not vertical like down the field, but that intermediate range where he can kind of open up the field. But does that mean we've seen the end of Trent Taylor after one game? Uh, I don't think so. I think it means we've seen the end of Dante Pettis for sure. Uh, I think the one thing we've come to know with Kyle Shanahan, if you can't block, you're not going to get on the field, right? That's the reason Dante Pettis didn't play, you know, in 2019. It's the reason Marquise Goodwin uh, didn't see much of the field. And it's the reason that Dante Pettis, who had opportunities on on Sunday, he, he's you gotta you gotta be able to block right on that McKinnon touchdown or what should have been a touchdown, uh, what ended up being the Raheem Mostert getting stuffed on the goal line right on fourth down. Dante Pettis just misses his block. Otherwise, McKinnon walks into the end zone and they go up seven or whatever it was at that point. And that's the reason Dante Pettis isn't going to see the field anymore, in my opinion. And so I think Sanu is going to be an upgrade from that standpoint. Yes, and he was a very, very good blocker, and that's probably one of his best traits. But he was available in September for a reason, so I, I'm not yeah. going to get my hopes up too much. What what the real key here is, they just need Ayuk and Debo Samuel back. Badly. Speaking of wide receivers that are available, Odell Beckham and Allen Robinson. Odell Beckham had a press conference on Tuesday where he didn't throw Baker Mayfield under the bus without but he saying did. Yeah, he said he he pretty much said as a receiver, I'm open. And he kind of dialed it back a little bit, saying that, well, I have to put my shoes in the quarterback, put myself in the quarterback's shoes and blah, blah, blah. And he also said the two things I care about the most are winning and producing. And those two things are not happening in Cleveland. They have not happened in Cleveland since he's been there. They're probably not going to continue to happen in Cleveland. Um, One and I get the most ridiculous messages ever. Somebody told me that per whoever, per some random person, that the 49ers offered a second-round pick for Odell Beckham, which, sure, buddy. Um, but should I've gotten some good ones, too. <laughs> yeah, those, those are fun. Should the 49ers be interested in a guy like Odell Beckham at all? Because this isn't the first time we've done this. It feels like we do this every couple months with OBJ, and the 49ers have pursued him in the past, but should they do it now? Yeah, we, we had this conversation in the afternoon. We got a little group chat. Rob uh, Statsker, our producer, uh, texted us and said, uh, Odell over Allen Robinson, the other guy that might might have or might not have requested a trade today. And right. I shot back and I said, A-Rob over uh, Odell. And maybe it's just me. I've like soured on Odell Beckham Jr. I'm just tired of it, right? Uh, he had the whole fiasco in, in New York, gets traded to Cleveland and uh, you know, all of a sudden Baker, him and Landry, that they're like the next bi- biggest thing. And it just hasn't been that right. 
and something's wrong in Cleveland. Their offense just isn't clicking. Maybe it's Baker. Maybe it's Odell. Maybe it's, you know, Stefanski was Freddie Kitchens clearly last year. I'm just soured on Odell Beckham Jr., right? I, I'm not a big fan of wide receivers who uh, have like a diva-ish, you know, so all mentality. Right. <laughs> all wide receivers, right, right. But you know what I mean? It's just I don't like my wide receivers, you know, talking to the media, you know, even if he's throwing shade at the quarterback, like kind of throwing shade. Um, I just, I'm just out on that. I, I just don't like that. So regardless of what he brings on the field, which – hasn't been particularly particularly great over the last season. I just I wouldn't touch him with a ten foot pole. And his contract on top of that isn't great. So it's not. And it it just seems like that window's kind of passed as far as OBJ goes. But the other report was Allen Robinson, who per Brad Biggs of the Chicago Tribune reported that he did request a trade. Later on, Allen Robinson's agent came back and said we did not request a trade, but we are still unhappy, which means we probably did request a trade. I love Allen Robinson. I think he's one of the seven receivers in the NFL. I think there, if there is a star player available, every team should be on the lookout. This star player just so happens to be at a position of need for the 49ers. Yes, they are a little bit, or they are, are not a little bit, they are up against the cap. They do have a little bit of wiggle room, but they also have extensions coming up for Fred Warner, and you want to extend Trent Williams. I mean, based off like 60 plays, I could imagine why you'd want to extend him. <laughs> but you, want to, you want to make sure that he stays healthy, and that'll, that'll, um, if that does happen, I imagine the 49ers will work out a deal then, which makes it difficult to make a play for a guy like Robinson, who is in the last year of his contract. He does have a $15 million cap hit, and he's probably going to want that or more moving forward. So that does make it difficult. But just as far as on the field goes, he is a rock solid number one. So you would yes. have Robinson, Kittle, Debo, and then that would allow you to sort of ease in Ayuk and not put pressure on him to succeed, yeah. which makes it a lot easier to swallow but again money matters and that would be like Parag would just have to put on his magician hat and kind of make that work and they would have to just um get get tricky with the extension so what do you think about the whole a-rod situation because you are the fun police and you did not like the idea of bringing him on today i am the fun police you know i'm with you as a player uh i think he's underrated as a wide receiver you know he's played with Friggin' Blake Bortles, Chase Daniel, and now Mitchell Drabisky. Like, his quarterback play has been pathetic. And he's putting up, like, monster numbers. But it's just the math, right? The salary cap math doesn't work out. Uh, the beauty of the NFL, you just can't uh, stack your team, right? And I think the 49ers would be on the hook for, like, $10.9 million of his base salary this year. Uh, that's basically about the cap room that they have. And, you know, unused cap room this year would slide over into next year and it would be used for extensions, like you mentioned. And they've got a laundry list of free agents. So it's just not the wise move if you're looking to keep a contender together for as long as possible. Um, It would be one of those like pushing all your chips into the middle of the table type thing. Um, But, you know, they've already given up a third rounder next year for Trent Williams. Would they give up like another pick and a player or or a pair of picks next year. I'm not sure, right? You need those draft picks to be able to restock your team uh, with cheap talent. And so, uh, yeah, you know, when they did it for D Ford a couple of years, it was a huge need. They had the cap space, they had the draft capital. So they went ahead and did it this time around. You know, I, I just can't see them doing, you know, the trade and resign the guy. And if they were to trade and then let him walk, uh, maybe you would get, you know, you get your compensatory pick back, but, yeah, just just not a fan of that. What if what if the Chicago Bears GM told you 
we'll take D Ford and you take Allen Robinson. What do you say to that? Who's going to rush the passer? <laughs> the yeah. 49ers don't have great depth at pass rush either. I mean, uh, behind D Ford, Kerry Hyder looked all right. Uh, Ronald Blair still on the pup. Uh, D Ford's supposed to be, you know, one of your best pass rushers. So is it, you know, is wide receiver that much, uh, that big of a need where you have to slide so much of your resources that way to, you know, hurt one of the strengths of your team? I'm not sure. Um, but I do have a lightly used Solomon Thomas, makes <laughs> nine million. Uh, maybe the Bears, you know, uh, Ryan Pace can make up for, uh, you know, his Mitchell Trubisky trade and take Solomon Thomas off the 49ers' hands. Uh, that I would be okay with, but not not D Ford, no. So let, that's a good segue. So let's talk about the game on Sunday. The 49ers did not win. They were seven and a half point underdogs. Got favorites. off to a 10-0 start, or favorites, yeah, underdogs, my bad. They were, they got off to a 10-0 start. Everything was sunshine and rainbows. It looked like they were going to run away with the game. Then yep. the block punt happened, and from there, it was just a giant mess. The 49ers defensive line saw a great game from Nick Bosa, saw some flashes from Javon Kinlaw, which is like, that's what you want for a rookie. But other than that, they're two big money, um, they're two big money edge rushers, D Ford and Eric Armstead did a whole lot of nothing. They combined for one tackle. They did have, I believe it was one total pressure, which I am not a fan of that stat. I've never been a fan of that stat. <laughs> one piece from one of my boys, Steven Ruiz, that convinced me that they are not, they do not make an impact. So I'm going to hold on to that for the rest of the season. And I just think, man, especially with a mobile quarterback, you have to have quarterback hits. The 49ers did not get that done. And we saw that. We saw what happens. And Kyler is a very special talent. There is no doubt about it. But they just have to be better. They cannot have games where it's Bosa and nobody else. Is And this is like the overreaction trend here. Should we worry about Ford or Armstead? Uh, you think the 49ers missed a Forrest Buckner right now? Yeah. Buckner seems like a very good player. He seems like a guy that would have been great for week one. Not only because he's an experienced passer and Kinlaw is not there yet, but it just seemed like when Buckner was on the field, he took a load off of Bosa and that just wasn't there. But the 49ers have invested in Armstead. They paid him all that money. They paid for it a ton of money. So you just can't have those type of performances. I think it's it's not as it's not as simple as that, but it is that simple where your best players need to play when you need them to make a play. And that just did not happen. I saw a lot of critique from from other guys, but. I mean, it. we got to start at the top. So what, what was your takeaway from seeing Armstead and Ford? Yeah, it, it, it's, it might be an overstatement, but I thought Kerry Hyder and Kevin Givens almost had more of an impact on that game. Like, I heard their names called out more than Eric Armstead and D Ford. Like, was D Ford, like, still hurt? I know he, you know, he had, like, a soft tissue injury. Like, he was not flashing on the screen, and, and neither was Eric Armstead. And, you know, the Cardinals had a good... Uh, pass blocking line last year I think you know by pass block win rate they were in the top 10 I want to say so it's they're not you know like a bad offensive line or anything but I would expect your two high money guys to flash more than they did uh, it was largely unimpressive Nick Bosa by far uh, the best pass rusher on the team Sunday um, Kinlaw had his flashes he had his moments I thought he had a couple of good moves um, might have had a sack on one, one play had a good tackle but yeah, those two guys, man, they're they are gonna have to step up. Yeah, they're gonna have to come through big time. And D Ford actually played quite a bit. He played 46 snaps. And 
Armstead played 52. So when you play that many snaps between those two and you combine for one tackle, that is not good. And obviously tackle right. tackle stats are not the, the greatest barometer of how you played, but it, it does kind of give you an idea of how involved you are. And they just, I mean, they just left the whole slate blank. And let's kind of move forward here. Speaking of the 49ers defense, Kyler Murray. He was very good. He made the 49ers look silly in a lot of ways, whether it was yep. scrambling, whether it was his arm. But I want to kind of touch on the slides. So he, baseball player, was he had a couple of slides that drew penalties from the 49ers. There's not really anything that they could do about that. He slid so late where the, the defenders are already going down at him and the refs, without being humans, they still threw the flag. But I guess that's the letter of the law. And that's what Shanahan said. You can tell like he was visibly frustrated. Oh, yeah. Um, there, there isn't anything you can do about it. You, I don't know yeah. what you even say as a coach to tell your – we're not going to tell your guys, hey, don't tackle him because what these guys are going to end up doing is they're going to fake slide and they're going to get five, ten more yards. So it's yeah. like a catch-22. There's not much you can do. What did you think about that? Is that like Kyler being a – I mean, he's a second-year player. Is that like a wily veteran move or was that planned? What do you think? It feels like it, right? Um, maybe it's just like baseball instincts or whatever, but usually young mobile quarterbacks don't slide, right? I feel like right. young quarterbacks, they have like this invincible like cape and they will try to get the extra yards and usually, you know, get hurt, get hit. Kyler's like the opposite, right? He goes down uh, a lot easier than some of these other uh, young quarterbacks. And so uh, work to the 49ers disadvantage, man. They had those two penalties, Um yeah, just tough. And I honestly, as a defensive coach or even as Kyle Shanahan, like what, what do you tell your players, right? Um, it's not like they're like taking off his head or anything. It's just they're rolling over him. He's a smaller quarterback and it cost him 30 yards. And it is just what it is, right? I think they're going to get called for one or two of those every time they play a Kyler Murray or Russell Wilson or something like that. So uh, just a savvy move from Murray. Um, lines up with how he played on yeah. Sunday. Um you know, when it was crunch time, he made winning plays. Jimmy Garoppolo didn't, um, whether it was with his feet, with his arm, whatever it was, uh, Murray elevated the rest of his offense and, you know, Garoppolo didn't. And that was, that was the difference in the game. He did. Murray did a great job of extending plays. He had 13 carries for 91 yards and that little 22 yard scamper where it seemed like yeah. he took hundred steps to get 22 yards. He yep. ran around the defense. He made the guys look silly. He, I mean, he had other scrambles too, where he's just, He's just keeping them ahead of the chains, and that was the biggest difference to me. And we're going to get to Garoppolo a little later, but the difference was one guy knew how to either throw the ball away or get the ball on the other side of the line of scrimmage when the other guy looked like he was a rookie, honestly. Like, he looked like he played in his first NFL game and just had no right. idea where to go the ball. It does help that Kyler had this guy named DeAndre Hopkins, who, if you have never watched football, is good at the sport. He had 14 receptions for 151 yards. Uh, Robert Sala did not have a plan for him. What I took it as was the 49ers came into the game plan thinking Hopkins is going to line up on the opposite side of Sherman, and they're just going to leave him there, and they're going to be able to go to work. So what the 49ers countered that with was Sherman either went to the right side of the field or started playing the field, quote-unquote, or the wide side of the field, and that was their answer. But Cliff Kingsbury being um, – a, a relatively smart human being, which anybody would do if they see that. All he all he did was move Hopkins around. He just moved him, yeah. he moved him to the right. He moved him in the slot. He used motion. He used condensed splits. Wow. He, like he just didn't leave him in one spot. And the 49ers really didn't have an answer. And that was it was frustrating to watch just because they weren't even pressing him off the line of scrimmage. They weren't doing anything to him. He, yeah. he had 
pre-release and just kind of was able to sit down in the zones and the the, the most just frustrating catch was yeah 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 the, the, one of the most frustrating ones was toward the end of the game there was a third down where you need to stop and you let a person who at that time I believe had like 120 yard over 100 yards just run free over the middle of the field converted a third down instead of a field goal you, they score and that's pretty much the difference in the ball game yeah. yeah that's it and so yeah. I don't. I don't know. People. People have asked. You know, should they have doubled Hopkins? Yeah. Well, yes, they should have done that. But they, they should have just had sort of some sort of bracket on him, make anybody wow. else beat you, and that should have been the case after the second quarter. Like you knew that that's who they're going to yeah. throw the ball to. There's nobody else that they were throwing the ball to. He wasn't even trying or uh, pretending to throw the right. ball to somebody else. So, oh, we and and that'll be something to keep an eye on now that if the 49ers – and just going off the top of my head, I don't think they're they're going to see you know too many number ones like that. Obviously, you're not going to see many receivers at all like Hopkins. But luckily, I I, I think they'll be fine just because they're not going to have these crazy good wideouts. But I mean, come the playoffs, you're not going to be able to avoid that. So, what, what was your take on how they defended Hopkins? Frustrating. I mean, did Vance Joseph freaking out coach Robert Sala? I mean, in the second half, George Kittle didn't have a target. But they were bracketing him, right? They would have a linebacker underneath and a safety over the top. They they were determined to tell you, or they were telling the 49ers offense, right? We're not going to let George Kittle beat us. Jimmy Garoppolo throw to Dante Pettis, throw to Trent Taylor, throw to Kendrick Bourne, whatever. But we're not letting you throw to George Kittle and beat us. And the 49ers were somehow like content with uh, Kyler Murray throwing to DeAndre Hopkins over and over and over again. He had, what, 16 targets and 14 catches, like, there was just zero resistance, and I almost felt bad for Emmanuel Mosley, right? You and I respect respect the hell out of Emmanuel Mosley. Undrafted free agent, plays tough, tackles for a corner, uh, is a relatively good corner, but it's just unfair to put him on an island with DeAndre Hopkins and say, oh, yep, yeah, go cover that guy, right? And it was just frustrating because, you know, if you've seen a half of it, you know, try to make some adjustments, right? Um, and one of the things, you know, Bill Belichick, I feel like always says is I will take away your number one option and you beat us some other way, right? Whether it works or not. And it seemed like Robert Sala just was like content, um, with the 49, with the Cardinals just going to Hopkins over and over and over again. And on the play that you referenced, right? The, the touchdown that he got, I think Sherman or someone told us after the game, right? They were like one half of the defense was on, was thinking it was one coverage. The other half of the defense uh, was thinking it was another coverage and they completely blew it. I think it'll be obvious on all 22, but like two defenders, maybe it was like a linebacker and a corner and linebacker safety. Someone, they both went the opposite way and Hopkins was just running uh, naked down, <laughs> down the middle of the field. And another interesting point, I thought this was the first game that Sala didn't have Joe Woods, right? The defensive backs coach. He had, he had, um, what was his name? Tony Oden, right? And multiple defensive uh, miscommunications. And don't know if it's a coincidence. Don't know if it's like Woods related, but yeah, that wasn't pretty, to say the least. So Woods designed like a lot of their passing schemes last year. I know that for a fact. And he pretty much morphed the secondary away from Salah's traditional cover three to like more of a quarters man match zone match. And it was a tremendous help. And I remember talking to Tarverius Moore about it in the preseason, just how much of an impact that Woods had. And, and I didn't think about that. That's a really good point by you. And we talked about Mosley a little bit before the show started. He is a very good athlete, a very good corner on vertical routes. One of his biggest issues last year and again this year, or just against Hopkins here, 
was just giving up space on the underneath routes where he'd be in press man coverage. He's in a good position, but route awareness, like Hopkins is running routes at the sticks and Mosley doesn't know where those are. And that's where the separation comes at the top of the route. He's fast. He needs to know these fast and he needs to sit on these routes of guys that are two steps slower than him. That did not happen. And that was that was pretty much the difference. But I don't I don't I'm not willing to, you know, pull the plug on Mosley. I don't think he's a bad yeah. player at all. No, no, no. I mean, at, at some sometimes you just have to stop making excuses and you just have to give credit to the offense. Like DeAndre Hopkins yep. is one of the best receivers, if not the best receiver in the NFL. And they just got beat by him and they they thought that they could get away with one on one coverage and and that was just a bad idea. So uh we're gonna take a little break here. We are gonna come back and talk about Jimmy Garoppolo. All right, we are back in Jimmy Garoppolo. So, Akash, <laughs> all offseason, man, we heard. So even not even all offseason, leading up to the game, after the Houston Texans played the Chiefs, there were arguments and there were 49ers fans saying that Deshaun Watson is better than Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah. Yeah. Which is a take. That is a take. And people were talking about how Kyler was better than Jimmy Garoppolo. There are, or sorry, Jim Garoppolo is better than Kyler, which I don't think that was true last year. I don't think that was true after that game that we just watched. But I mean, oh, I don't know. I don't know where to start here. I mean, <laughs> there there was not a lot of good decisions from Jim Garoppolo. He finished 19 for 33, 259 yards, two touchdowns. So if you just didn't watch the game and just you box look score, the, yeah, if you look at the box score, you think, oh, it wasn't that bad. No interceptions. But, oh, boy, do I have news for you. There were – so 33 attempts. I could – I would imagine of those dropbacks, he probably missed a, an open receiver on 10 of those dropbacks. Do you think that's fair? Uh, I would have I guessed more than yeah. 10. It felt like more watching the game. Uh, that's why we're – you know, you and I are sitting on the All-22 waiting for it just to break down Jimmy. But that was a pathetic performance. Pathetic, awful, horrible, garbage – there's no way to even justify Jimmy Garoppolo's performance. You can't tell me that, um, you know, him missing two wide receivers or a center or whatever it is excuses that type of performance. When Kyle Shanahan is scheming up Kendrick, Kendrick friggin' Bourne, you know, on third down, wide open. He's wide open. You can't underthrow that ball, and he underthrows it, right? And then again, on, on fourth down, it's a simple out route to Trent, Trent Taylor. The only thing you can't do is be late on that throw. If you're going to be late, the corner's going to get it, right? And what does he do? He's late. The throw's behind. It gets batted away, right? And th- those are just two plays. And I'm sure there's plenty of other plays. There was a Dante Pettis throw uh, on the opposite side of the field earlier in the game. He kind of overthrew him. Uh, Pettis didn't really make an attempt. And I was hoping to get a different angle to see, you know, how far the throw was. But, you know, Jimmy, you know, was one of the more accurate players accurate quarterbacks in the league. I think his like completion percentage above expected was like plus three, like over the season, which was one of his better attributes this past week. It was like minus six and a half. It was third worst. I think only like drew Brees and like Carson Wentz were worse. And those guys looked pathetic in week one. And so the one thing Garoppolo hangs his hat on is his accuracy and his confidence, right? When he takes a shot, um, when he gets hit, when he throws an interception, he usually comes back and looks unfazed. He looked scared yep. on Sunday. He was he had that little triple spin move in the pocket. Um, <laughs> it looked like when his first read was taken, he had no clue what to do. And so I don't know if that's like Kyle Shanahan just that's you know not drawing up as good plays or if you know 
Jimmy, you just wasn't reading the field properly. But, you know, Robert Sala and all offseason, all we heard was, oh, he's a better decision maker. He's a quicker decision maker. And the first game of the season against advanced Joseph defense. Not good. He couldn't make a decision. Couldn't couldn't get rid of the ball on a lot of these plays or was not accurate, right? And that's just not good enough. You know, he's a $27 million quarterback. When guys are down, he's got to be the key to elevate those guys. That's what that's what I expect, right? When he gets paid that kind of money, when he's talked about the way he is, and shit, he he hid behind all those excuses on Sunday, and you know he's gonna go against the Jets later this week, who aren't a very good pass defense, don't have Jamal Adams, um, and he's gonna light him up, and the narrative may change a little bit, but no, 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 he's gonna have to play better against better pass defenses in crunch time. We saw that at times last year, but geez, that was an ugly performance. If we're going to hold Garoppolo to this top 10-ish quarterback, that's fine. But if we're going to do that, you cannot continue to make excuses and expect mm-hmm. him to perform, to only perform when the situation around him is perfect. Yeah. That is not fair. That is not how this works. You cannot say, well, he missed this, this, and this. Well, if that's true, he's still missing all these receivers. There was one play where Garoppolo drops back. He's looking at the middle of the field. Raheem Mostert goes on a little swing route and goes up the field. Mostert is literally jumping up and down and waving his arms open. He could have walked in into the end zone. Garoppolo does not see him. Earlier in the game, I remember just showing Rich Madrid this, and what happened was it was third down. It was I think it was one of the first third downs of the game. Garoppolo drops back, throws to Kittle underneath, well short of the sticks. If he just waits a half second later, Trent Taylor comes open, and that was a play design. They tried to high-low the defense, and it worked, but – because he throws the ball to the soon. linebacker, a safety sit on Kittle and trailer Taylor yeah, gets yep. open behind. Yeah. Behind him. Yeah. And, and so when people are complaining about Shanahan's Shanahan's play calling, uh, no, that's not the problem. The problem is the quarterback isn't going through his reads. He's not seeing the field. He's flustered in the pocket. He's being affected by the pressure that really wasn't there because there are a lot of times he's just creating the pressure on himself. He's, he's running out of pockets. He's just playing like a young quarterback. He's playing like an inexperienced quarterback, and that was a problem. And I do think some of the blame does go on Shanahan. But, I mean, if you're looking at the box score, like we said, 63% of Garoppolo's yards came after the catch. Both of his touchdowns came to running backs. Like, you have to use some sort of context and here. He, he should have had a pick in that game. Let, let's be honest. He got bailed out with a pass interference that – a lot of people tried to like justify it by saying, "Oh, you know, he knew it was going to be pass interference." No, 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 no. That ball, he tried, he tried to like emulate Patrick Mahomes. He was like uh, running out to the edge, and he just like off one foot slings it. And Garoppolo doesn't have the arm strength, uh, at least post ACL, to like get that ball there into triple coverage. Just a boneheaded play. The game should have ended there, right? Yeah. And then the Cardinals bailed him out. Luckily. The safety was just, and you can see on the replay, because it did kind of show the eye in the sky, that the safety was just baiting him. Just please throw the ball. And sure enough, he did. And yeah, he got he got a little lucky there. And that was that you speaking of ACL, that was one of the excuses that he's still co- recovering from his ACL. And that's why he played bad. I don't know how long that's going to go on, but the excuses for this guy just are never ending. I feel like we can just have an honest conversation about it. If he's playing poorly, let's just talk about it. If he's playing well, we were talking about it. He was flustered. He was out of rhythm. And the like the one excuse that I would think is credible for him that nobody has really talked about because why not? I think that Kyle Shanahan's offense is built off play action. And of Garoppolo's 37 dropbacks, only 12 of those were play action. And that is a problem. And Garoppolo's never really been this 
pure drop back passer that's going to pick you apart. And that's what it seemed like Kyle Shanahan wanted to use him as. And you would think, especially in a situation where you're missing your top targets in there. And I know Kittle said he was fine. He didn't miss plays, but he just wasn't the same player in the second half. And as you mentioned, he was being taken away. Like they were literally bracketing him, which is what you do against players when there's only one threat on the field. Crazy. I know, but Uh uh, the one thing on the play action, right? His best throw of the day, which was a layup pass. I, I would, I should say, best play of the day was that wheel route to use check, and that came off of play action, right? Uh, play action, you know, usually use check is a lead blocker. I think they the linebacker sucked in, and by the time use check was running the route, the linebacker was like five yards behind him. So it was a layup pass, beautiful play, play design. Um, so yeah, it was surprising to see like little of that, uh, like you mentioned. And then the other thing with uh, just his you know, play calling creativity. I think one of the plays that the commentators highlighted, they had, you know, Kittle release on like the inside, like between like the guard and the center, I want to say. They were trying to get him open any way possible. And Arizona was still going to double him. And, you know, Garoppolo just couldn't hit his other guys for whatever reason. And that was the difference in the game. You know, as for as bad as the offense looked, they had a chance. They had two chances within like the red zone to win that game in the end, despite all that. Which is yeah, amazing. That, that that kind of speaks to what this team can become, but and we and obviously we know that they can become a very great team because they made the Super Bowl last year. But we just you, it's a new season, and if if you expect them to be able to just go on the field and teams are going to lay down, that is not going to happen. They're going to get every team's best shot this year. Yep. There's no sneaking up on teams. And just speaking about that, you you check play. So earlier in the game, it, I think it was a quarter before. They ran Shanahan, one of Shanahan's best trick plays called Leak, where uh, Juszczyk sneaks out of the back. Well, he's actually lined up as a tight end. He comes underneath the linebackers and goes up the sideline. He was wide open. The protection broke down a little bit, but Garoppolo just held on the ball too long and really didn't give him a chance. So, I mean, there was just so many opportunities where he just kind of dropped the ball. But that's enough dunking on Jimmy. Uh, For week one. Yeah, for week one. We'll be back, Jimmy. Don't give us a reason to. Uh, let's talk about the game-changing moment, and, and that was probably the punt block where, as we mentioned, 10-0, everything's going smooth, and then two free rushers come up. Dante Johnson doesn't really attack either one, and he kind of yeah. just catches both of them, and I, I just don't know how that – of all the options he could do, that, that was the one he picked. Punt gets blocked, and then Cardinals – they scored a touchdown on that drive, right? I believe so. Yeah, that that was the game changing moment, in my opinion, right? Raheem Mostert has like the 75 yard touchdown. It's 10 0. Uh, it feels like the 49ers are just going to crush the Cardinals week one, right? It, the momentum was just building. And, you know, uh, I think it was a three and out. Um, and then the punt gets blocked, short field. Uh, and then the defense is back out there. It's hard to expect them to go ahead and stop the Cardinals again, right? Um, and so then it's 10 7. And boom, next thing you know, uh, the offense has to respond, and they were just sputtering uh, the rest of the half. Um, so that, in my opinion, was a changing point in the game. And it looked like they ran a stunt, and for whatever reason, it just looked like the 49ers' uh, special teams unit uh, wasn't prepared for that. Maybe lack of preseason, whatever you want to call it. But um, yeah, just just mistakes like that, right? There's just a lack of execution on little things like that. Uh, cost them and it's going to happen uh, you know in a 16 game season that's why you know it's hard to win 13 14 15 games like people predict right yeah 
it, right? It, it's going to happen, you know. Uh, the ball isn't always going to bounce your way. Um, I, I mentioned this post-game, but Jimmy Grapple wasn't very good week one 2019, right, against the Buccaneers. He only threw for like a buck 60, had a pick. He looked bad that game. Luckily, Jameis Winston was worse. He had a couple pick sixes. The ball bounced your way. They managed to win. You know, Kyler didn't give him the same chance. He was determined to make the winning plays, and, it, you know, it is what it is. When the 49ers play a competent quarterback like that, they're just, they have no chance. Like, they have no shot to be able to give the game away as they did. So, just looking at some team stats. So, they, they went two for 11 on third down. Can't Ooh. happen. On defense, they allowed 50% conversions on 14. So, yeah, seven for 14. The Cardinals went. That, that just can't happen. Uh, in the red zone, they allowed well, both. Four. They allowed the Cardinals to score on both of their opportunities. And yeah, they had four opportunities to score a touchdown, and they only scored one time. That yeah. no matter who you are, you can't expect to win like that. And still, they had a chance to win. But yeah. as you mentioned on the out route, left it short and inside. The play before that, who I asked Jimmy, is that was that your first read? He says yes. Why is it taking you 14 seconds to get to your first read? Why yeah. are you lofting the ball in the air for seven seconds? Like, what is going on here, man? These are these are so simple mistakes, and yet here we are, man. Um, at, at some point this season, we are going to acknowledge that Jimmy is who he is. What was what was the most frustrating part was in training camp. He looked like a very decisive quarterback. It looked like he knew where to go with the ball. How much of that was due to playing against the same defense every day? How much of that was due we to mention that? Yeah, yeah. How much of that was due to I'm not going to get hit, so I, I can afford to hold on to the ball. I can afford to go through my progressions. He just did not look comfortable at all. That cost him. Some Shanahan's play calling, as I mentioned, was bad. I don't think that – I think he went away with what was working early on. I think that they were – Jordan Reed, like he caught that slant underneath. Before that, yeah. Raheem Mostert was catching the ball underneath. The Texas route, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But they was were that? eating the linebackers alive. Yeah. Kittle just on little underneath stuff. And I know that they were taking him away, but why go away from Reed? Why go away from the running backs in that situation? Because a middle of the field was the 49ers' bread and butter. Garoppolo's never been a guy that's you know going to give you much outside of the numbers, so make life easier on him. Play action was there, and then the running game too. It seemed like Shanahan was content on getting outside, so not just the normal wide zone plays. They're in the shotgun running these sweeps, and there just was nothing doing. And to me, Mostert is actually a better inside runner where he can either cut back or beat guys to the edge with his angle. And we just did not see much of that at all. So hopefully, uh, there's a lot of soul searching that's going to be needed to do here. Because it, it it helps that they have the New York teams coming up, but I just don't think that the, get right the, these games are going to be cakewalks like people think they are, man. Yeah, uh, I agree with that. You know, I asked, so you took my question away. Let the, let our listeners know that Kyle got to ask uh, Jimmy about Kendrick Bourne. He <laughs> took my question away, and then I got picked on next, so I had to like scramble a little bit. And so I asked him, okay, what's the game plan like picking on Isaiah Simmons? And he was like, no, it is what it is. But then he was like, yeah, it kind of worked out that way. And just like you mentioned, right, they went after the linebackers early, whether it was with running backs or tight ends, and then they kind of let them off the hook after that. And it was like, you know, it, there was just no consistency. There was no, like, flow. There was no rhythm in the game, uh, like the play calling, I thought. And, again, it'll be more obvious when we look at the All-22. But just the lack of flow, lack of execution, um, disjointed, whatever you want to call it, right? It was just not a good offensive performance and you know like you mentioned i think they'll they'll have these two get right games against the jets and the giants uh the jets defensive line is scary 
Um, they were the second best rush, rushing defense per DVOA last year. I think they held the Bills to like less than three yards per rush. Uh, yeah, that's not going to be easy to run the ball on. No, I, I if if you know the 49ers win, they should win by double digits. digits. It's going to be on Jimmy, right? It's it's not going to be like Mostert and McKinnon carrying the ball for like 100 plus yards. That's just not the way the Jets defense is built. So, right. um, and then the Giants defensive line looked pretty good last night. I mean. Uh, Dexter Lawrence, they were getting pressure on Ben Roethlisberger. Um, sneaky, there's not much talent elsewhere, but they're not going to be a tough out either. So they should win both of these games, but yeah. The good It'll- news going against the Jets is that Sam Darnold's going to throw you the ball. Like even if you just watch him play, he he had to throw in week one where he's rolling to his left. It was actually a uh, <laughs> This is messed up. A very Jimmy type throw where he's rolling to his left and he's looking back and he throws the ball all the way across his body and it's just right into the defender's lap. And he's been doing that pretty much all of his life as, as long as I've been watching him. So Darnold and Danny Jones, uh, they're going to give the 49ers an opportunity for turnovers and the 49ers didn't really get opportunities for turnovers, though Quan Alexander did force a few fumbles and Kyle Shanahan did point that out, but the 49ers, like that's bad fumble luck to force three fumbles and not recover one. But uh, I imagine that will change for the 49ers. Any last words before we get out of here? Yeah. Josh Allen had 312 passing yards on the jets. Jimmy better have more. I, I hold, yeah, I hold Jimmy at a higher standard than friggin' Josh Allen. So he better, he better have a 300 yard passing game. I don't need one of these like 180 yard, like stinkers. Uh, yeah, the Bills, the Bills, the Bills had their way with the Jets, especially in the yeah. first half. Josh Allen actually fumbled, lost two fumbles, where yeah. and that was in the like in scoring territory. So the 49ers, there's really no excuse that they shouldn't. Kind of, I, I mean, is it fair to say that they should? Like, should we be worried if they do not blow the Bills out? Uh, I would be worried if they don't blow the Jets out. They they should throttle them. The Jets, yeah. Adam Gay, Sam Darnold. Uh, no Jamal Adams. They're just not good. They're what seven point favorites. The line dropped to six and a half, I think, but it's back up to seven now. Uh, I don't care. I don't want the 10 a.m. I don't want the long flight. I don't want any of those excuses. I don't, I don't, I don't want them. They better throttle them on Sunday. Uh, and that's what I expect. If, if you want to, you know, be talked about like a Super Bowl contender and a top 10 quarterback. Yeah. The Jets offense really only got going. And at the end when it was garbage time. And a lot of that was pretty much off a broken tackle. Jamison Crowder took off down the sideline. What What's yeah. your score prediction for Sunday? Ooh, I'm going to go 31-13. Yeah, that feels right. Where the 49ers, I feel like they're, they're going to get back on track. Yeah. And I think they're going to capitalize off Darnold's, some of Darnold's um, turnovers. Le'Veon Bell just went on the IR. So we will see a heavy yeah. dose of Frank Agor. And I'll post yeah. this guy. <laughs> yeah. And it'll, yeah, it'll, I, I just don't, I just can't imagine a situation where an Adam Gase led offense without Le'Veon Bell, who was another guy who had a, a deep pass down the sideline. And that, that's pretty much all they hit. So I, I'll say something along the lines of like 27 10, where it's just, it's, it's going to be a very boring game to watch. Hopefully yep. it goes by fast and, you know, we don't have to suffer through a lot of boringness. But I agree. Um, it's gonna be like just, a Cincinnati game, I think, last yeah. year, where yeah. it was just it was just over early. It was just like kind of get out of here, get out of here healthy, move on to next week. So I imagine it looks similar. What happens on offense, real quick, if Ayuk can't go? And let's say Ayuk can't go and Kittle's still hobbled. Will, are you still confident that the 49ers' offense will be able to move the ball? Uh, yes, 
Yes. Jordan Reed only got 10 snaps. I imagine that number goes up. I, I, I would think that Kyle wanted to see him kind of uh, right. take a few hits, just finish the game healthy. But he was effective when he was on the field. You know, like you mentioned, he caught a ball over the middle. I imagine he would see more action. Um, maybe they go running backs out of the backfield heavy. Um, you know, they could line up use check outside if they wanted to. Uh, Muhammad Sanu, I think he won't practice with the team till Friday, if I'm not mistaken. He has to go through three days of tests. So uh, he basically won't have any practice. So I'm not sure if he's how much time he's going to see on the field this week. Um, but yeah, I, I it's the Jets. I'm not worried if Ayuk or, or Kittle don't go. Uh, they still got Kyle Shanahan and Jimmy Garoppolo. If you regard those guys the way we talk about them, they should get get the job done. I think that'll do it for us. We will be back next Wednesday, hopefully recapping a blowout victory over the Jets. I'm Kyle Posey. You can follow me on Twitter, KP underscore show. Akash, where can we find you on the Twitters? On Twitter, you can find me at Akash Anav, A-K-A-S-H-A-N-A-V. Before we get off, I would like to say that Kwaski Tart caught an interception, so we are 25% of the way for my bold prediction of the season. Made it. Uh, Both stats and Kyle texted me separately after that interception, which (laughs) Tart had nothing to do with. Good, right, you know, right right place, right time. But I'll take it. I mean, over the, but that's what we've talked about. Like, the ball has to be your last way. So, all right, Kwaski, man, you got got one more to go. No pressure. No pressure. Thanks for listening, guys. We will be back next week. Go Niners.